0: Welcome to the York County Economic Alliance podcast series. I'm your host, Jason McSherry, and today we are joined by Ben Drummond, Vice President of Customer Success with D2 Integrated Solutions. Ben, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Well, I'm glad you could join us today, especially since it is such a beautiful day outside. Um, I'm not sure what time people are going to be listening to this, but trust me, it is a gorgeous day. Um, so thanks for taking some time here to talk a little bit more about a great topic. Uh, but before we get to that, I have a quick question. I was hoping that you might be able to kind of fill some things in. I don't know if all of our listeners are very familiar with D2 Integrated Solutions. Can you tell us just a little bit more about some of the services that you provide and how you can help companies be successful?
1: Sure. So the, the simple answer is that we provide uh, you know, IT solutions to small businesses and we, we, we say the phrase managed or co-managed, uh, meaning that sometimes we work with businesses that don't have uh, IT staff and other times we do work with businesses that do have an IT staff where we're more of a collaborative model. Uh, but we provide services from help desk to backup, cybersecurity, infrastructure, networking, um, you know, all, all things related to business and technology, basically.
0: And all things that have been important to business as we know it, especially in the last year plus with the COVID normal and remote working and everything along those lines, it's kind of even been pushed more to the forefront, so.
1: Yes, yep, very, very.
0: So on that note though, uh, today we're actually gonna talk a little bit more about the digital solutions for a mobile workforce. Um, As I just said, you know, the COVID pandemic forced a lot of businesses to, to shift and go to a remote work plan where they've got a lot of employees who were not essential and didn't have to be on the premises, working from home or someplace uh, off-site. But a remote workforce and a mobile workforce are a little bit different. Um, can you talk a little bit about what is the difference between the two?
1: Yeah, I think I think they are definitely related. And it's just, a, it's just a matter of words. But I think that when I hear the phrase mobile workforce um, and, and I think about the, the word specifically mobility, I think of a greater level of flexibility. Um, and and there's, a, there's a common term that gets thrown out there now is, is the hybrid uh, word. And I think that the mobile workforce is more supportive of this, this hybrid working model where, um, you know, a business is not saying we are 100% remote Nor are they saying we are going to ignore the fact that employees are able to achieve the functions of their job without being in our building. So this this idea of a mobile workforce, I think, uh, suggests that an organization can have employees who are flexible and dynamic in terms of where they do their job.
0: Well, you're right. Hybrid is kind of that buzz term that everybody's throwing around a lot uh, today. Um, And... You know, it sounds like as you were describing the mobile workforce a little bit, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of employees who worked on the road a lot. maybe they were, were constantly driving or maybe they were jet setting across the country and across the world. Um, but really, I guess COVID being, forcing a lot of companies to go to remote work has kind of created, opened that door for that hybrid model where a lot of these employees may become mobile employees. Um, is that something that you see as a
1: trend that's going to be here to stay? Yeah, I, I think so, um, absolutely. And I think when, when you talk about you know what is going to stay from what we've seen since you know 2020 and into 2021, um, there's a there's another term that gets thrown around out there called the new norm, and a lot of people say the new norm. And I think it's important to to think about what what is the new norm, because I think many suggest that the new norm may be a 100% remote work model. And for many, that's not what the suggestion is. The suggestion is merely saying that the new norm is that it won't be ignored, that mobility is something that is possible. And that doesn't necessarily mean that everything has to be 100% remote moving forward. It, It suggests something different than that. It suggests that remote work and in office work doesn't have to be binary. It doesn't have to be absolutely one way or the other, but that you can have flexibility and have a dynamic workforce where remote work is used as a tool in cohesion with the rest of the organization. So I think when when you talk about what's going to stay, what's going to stay is the, the benefit and the opportunity that companies have realized through the experience of having remote work, and I think that will stay in the form of hybrid mobility. So that's, that's an
0: interesting point, um, but it, and it brings up a question then kind of on the flip side of this is businesses, if they maintain this hybrid and mobile workforce, they're gonna try to maximize the efficiencies and, and the benefits they saw out of having a mobile workforce and a remote workforce over the last year or so. But in doing so, do, do businesses still need to maintain the same type of physical presence that they used to have, um, you know, as far as like the size of an office, and office space for everybody? Or do you see that somehow changing a little bit? And how does that change and factor in from an IT standpoint of being able to support that mobile and remote workforce on a permanent basis?
1: Yeah, I, I do think it's, it's changing, um, you know, what, what physical offices may look like. And I think that the immediate, uh, you know, prompt for that change was, was medical related, but now um, there's, there's an aspect of it that is uh, more, more business decision. You know, if you're, if you have 50 people, but 10 of them may be in the office and another 40 of them might not be in the office at a, at a given time, do you need an office that can fit 50 people or do you need an office that can fit 10 people? And then do you need the expenses that come with having an office that could fit 50 people? So. There's a there's a financial aspect of the physical um, you know conversation to this that I think many businesses are considering or realizing you know what that means for them. Uh, I I don't think the answer is is absolute for any one organization. It, it depends on from business to business uh, what extent you know could could somebody go to a from a thirty thousand square foot building to a 2,000 square foot building, it, it depends, you know, but I think uh, what what doesn't depend and what is universal across the board is that organizations are starting to ask themselves that question.
0: And that's a, uh, an interesting example that you gave from 30,000 to 2,000, because it seems so drastic. And I, right. I, I would imagine that businesses probably don't want to make a drastic decision like that because well, it's still kind of new. Um, you, you, it's probably going to be very difficult to figure out like what is that appropriate size that you would want to downsize to because you obviously don't want to go too small and then find out the hard way that you should have
1: mm-hmm. had a few thousand square feet more. Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And from a technology standpoint too, there are added challenges that come with, um, you know, being able to support that flexibility. So it doesn't always mean that having a smaller building means you have a smaller uh, amount of infrastructure needed. The two things are not directly uh, parallel in how they may scale up or down.
0: Because it doesn't matter if you've got 40 people in the office, four people in the office, if you still need a server in there, that's going to take up the same amount of space from an IT standpoint. Yeah. As we're talking a little bit about the office and we were talking about businesses and and such that adopt a little bit of a mobile workforce model going forward, you know, the last year and a half has probably been a learning experience for a lot of business leaders and managers um, trying to figure out how to manage a team remotely. Uh, And if you go and you push this out a little bit further and make it something kind of permanent, what kind of, Management team management skills and training uh, are going to be necessary to, to make this successful uh, for businesses and for managers.
1: Yeah, I think I think the that question is best answered with uh, one word it would be communication, you know, it would be the single skill set that um, can make or break the success of a, of a remote team or a mobile team. Um, is communication, the ability to, you know, maintain cohesion from multiple people of a team that are not necessarily in the same building, and specifically how how a leader can do that and keep people unified around a common, you know, objective, whether it's department-specific or organization-specific or maybe just a project. Um, But I think that, you know, the biggest skill set there is just being able to communicate and, and tie a team together connect multiple people without physically being together um, around whatever an objective may be.
0: That leads perfectly to my next question, because not just from like the management standpoint, but also from a human resources or even uh, an educational standpoint, um, you know, businesses always have in-services or they have education that they may need to have their entire department together. But if you just decided to downsize to a business that's only 2,000 square feet, you might not have the ability to get everybody together. Not to mention that you could potentially have employees who are working further away and may not even be able to come into the office anymore uh, the way they used to. So how how can technology really kind of help piece that together and make a mobile workforce able to come together and still kind of be on the same page as far as like training and education, keep everybody up to date?
1: Yeah, um, I think the, the obvious answer, I'll start there because it's the easiest, is ironically answered by our conversation right now occurring over uh, Zoom. So there's, there's communication platforms out there that are digital like Zoom or Microsoft Teams or Slack that allow for um, communication to occur visually in a way that is not um, you know, specifically precedented by email or telephone, but in a different, in a different setting, in a different uh, light that is more supportive of some of these educational training opportunities that you're, you're mentioning, whether it's a um, you know, manager training a team on a new process, the ability to do that through a Zoom where you can share your screen and you can see facial expressions and people can raise their hand and ask questions is, is much different than a phone call. And there's many different uh, variables that come into play that would allow a leader to provide this education with a tool like Zoom and Microsoft Teams. So that's, that's the obvious answer. Um, the, the, the more, a little bit of a more interesting answer might be For organizations to consider some type of information uh, management platform or uh, some type of adopting some type of online knowledge base to document how-tos and processes for their organization. Um, A good example of a a product out there is a company, Trainual, where organizations can can basically document action items that occur within that, that business and organize those things for the purpose of training employees. So there are online platforms that organizations can adopt that would allow them to share information and coach people and and provide expectations um, using technology rather than traditional in-office measures. And I think the 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 thing that ties all of that together is not necessarily just the technology, but the the organizational structure that a company may or may not have being able to support somebody using a platform like that. So a, a company that has more structure and processes in place and can do things in a more defined way will be more able to share those processes digitally with technology.
0: So is is that basically something kind of like an intranet, uh, SharePoint kind of site, and maybe like some type of a digital education platform? Um, yeah, that, that you can have like modules that you can complete and things like that.
1: Yes. Yep. Yeah, and it could be done one of of many ways. There's there's turnkey solutions out there, like the one I mentioned, that are built specifically for that. But you could also achieve the same thing in, in a SharePoint or a OneDrive or a Google Drive with, you know, just having documented how-tos and um, documenting procedures. And, or let's say there was a, a new initiative, you could document how it's going to be done and provide a kind of provide a uh, intranet to your to your point of a library for how an organization operates, so that knowledge can be spread digitally rather than spread you know, in a conference room. And in my experience, it
0: seems that an intranet or a SharePoint or a shared site like that is really kind of geared to make that more efficient. I mean, a lot of people probably have access to their company's server and a lot of Mm -hmm. files that are on there, but, you know, you could probably spend hours digging and trying to find something, whereas the intranet, concept kind of pulls a lot of those policies and procedures and manuals and puts them at a a very easy to access spot and
1: easily located for everybody. Right. And it's a different way of thinking about, you know, data and files. It's, it's an organization, making a conscious decision to compile information specifically for the purpose of training or documenting policy. It's not just administrative files and and historical data. It's it's actually somebody sitting down and saying, I'm going to write down how we're going to do this and store it electronically so that others can see it and it can be shared.
0: And that's something D2 can help with, right? Like I mean, as you're kind of going through this, I mean, it's basically, as you said, it's not as simple as just throwing something up there. You got to put a little bit of forethought into it and then there's the technical side to to make it actually happen, but. Sure. uh, Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, um, kind of going along that line, but getting a little bit more, it, it seems difficult to talk about remote work or mobile work and not somehow bring up security? Um, it seems to, it was it was a hot button before the pandemic, but even more so when we started spreading everything out. What kind of security protocols need to be in place to ensure that your network is safe if you have this mobile workforce where all of your information is out there
1: everywhere? Right, it's a great question. Um, and uh, I'll start by answering it by talking about the notion of uh, trying to ensure that where your remote workers are working from is secure. For many that seems to be the default. How can I make sure that uh, this employee's home network is secure? But what we would encourage is rather than focus on you know making, networks that you don't control or or manage secure, plan on them being not secure and plan for your infrastructure and your organization to have an IT strategy that protects from that lack of security. And the reason I say that is you don't, with a mobile workforce, you don't know if your employee will be sitting in a Starbucks or in a hotel lobby or in an airport or at their house. So trying to, to manage all of those various networks is impossible. So instead, what, what I would suggest is to plan on the worst case and plan to build infrastructure around supporting the worst case for your corporate network. And that can be achieved through things like a VPN um, and, and various network security settings that can you know help prevent from things that may not be secure, kind of accounting for the inevitable. Um, but that that's kind of the specific strategy that I would suggest. Some more general things, and, a, and an interesting point that I like to consider as well is, there's a there's a cultural difference that occurs with a human being working in a location that's not their office, where their guard is down a little bit further, or they may be working in their home and it's a much more casual setting. They're sitting on the couch with with sweatpants on, rather than sitting behind behind a desk in an office space in a more professional setting, and the, the cultural impact of that. Um, kind of, you know, I, I would almost say subconsciously is that maybe that individual is less aware of security with how they're using that computer because they're more used to just being in that environment and watching Netflix or being in that environment and just surfing the web rather than being in that environment and accessing their company's financial data. So there's a there's a big step that can be taken is just raise awareness for security. And that can be achieved through things like security training. um, And it can also be prevented with things like two-factor authentication. That's a a really good point because you're absolutely right. Like
0: if I'm working remotely from a Starbucks, that's completely different than when I was sitting in an office, you knew where my desktop computer was or my laptop computer. You knew that it was not facing anybody else in a Starbucks. I'm sitting there, I'm drinking my coffee, I'm working on some stuff. I got to run to the restroom. I get up. I don't even think about it. Maybe I don't sign off yeah. or something like that. Training can help with some of that, but are there other safeguards that you can put in place that kind of helps prevent um, somebody else from easily seeing private information or something like that?
1: Yeah. That's, that's a big area where, where VPN can come into play to help uh, make make a, a network connection secure in an environment where you may be in a public place or um, just on a, on a network that is not secure. Um, so there, there are many um, you know, technical efforts that can be made around the VPN to, to do that, yes. So to shift gears
0: a little bit more though and and get back, draw back from the security side a little bit. um, One of the things that we're actually, one of the reasons we're actually talking about a mobile workforce and a remote workforce is not just that we've been doing it for the last year and a half or so, uh, thanks to COVID and the pandemic, but because we found some things that work about it. Uh, from, From a business standpoint, how does having a mobile workforce Impact the pro- productivity and profitability, or what have we been seeing in the last year and a half that is making us want to potentially carry this over and make it a new normal?
1: I think there's there's many ways to to that it that uh, you know mobile workforce can help with productivity and profitability. Outside of what we've discussed already with, with you know reduction of expenses and finances, is that a mobile workforce can help support efficiency of employees doing their job, which obviously ties directly into productivity and profitability. And I think the the main reason for that is that the the mobile workforce kind of puts a greater demand on an organization's um, requirement or uh, necessity to have structure and process in place. So an employee's job is no longer um, just, just based around being in an office and figuring out what to do, but it's now a very defined um, set of actions that fall into a digital structure that is made possible during a remote workforce. So I think employees are able to do more or do more in a a, uh, repeatable fashion or a scalable fashion. And I think that sees organizations you know, they, they realize that a mobile workforce can help support productivity and profitability, like you said.
0: And we're not even going to touch on whether or not employees like to work from home, because I know that we're seeing news stories every other day now, as we start to return to normal and, and, and get back to life and in person that numerous, the majority of employees want to stay working from home if they can. So uh, that's a factor too. And.
1: And that's a that's a strong factor, too, when you think about um, something like hiring or recruiting or you think about a talent pool and how, you know, having the right people in place impacts productivity and profitability. If you have you know, more people that are willing to work for your organization, if they can work uh, in, a, in a mobile fashion, then you may end up with people that can help drive productivity and profitability further for you.
0: And earlier we were talking a little bit about intranets and SharePoints and such. So it got my my gears turning a little bit and I have to ask this question. So should businesses be looking at or considering an app or a mobile app or something like that, that their employees would be able to utilize? I mean, app you know, who doesn't want an app, but it just sounds cool. Is that something that anybody really needs or is it beneficial?
1: Yeah, I think it depends on the, the organization and um, you know, especially at a small business level, most small businesses, uh, technology-wise, their their organization and the functions of their various departments are centered around a line of business application. So, if it's a manufacturing small business, then frequently that manufacturing organization is centered around ERP application that manages their inventory and the purchase orders and their sales orders. If it's a, a legal practice or a law firm, and that business may be centered around an application that is you know, meant to help manage cases and, and documentation for court records and legal information. So to answer the question about the app, I think you know, many of these line of business application vendors um, may, may be thinking about that question themselves and, and that, that thought will trickle down to small businesses um, where they may have an app available or they may not. Um, on, a, on a different note, I think it's very important to consider uh, if there was one, one app or one piece of technology for small businesses to consider off the back of mobile, having a mobile workforce, it would just be something around communication. And we talked about the importance of this earlier, but um, you know, the, a very, very helpful app is, is Microsoft Teams or, or Zoom or Slack, that people can use to you know, interact with their team members or coworkers or peers um, you know, from their cell phone or from wherever they may be. And I think the, the reason it's important to consider that and it sounds, at first glance, if you've never used a Teams or a Slack or even a Zoom, you, you may think, well, you know, I have a cell phone, I could call or text somebody, but there is a different Uh, feel that that comes into place when you're using a communication app that's all centered around professional team-based communication so it it is a different platform for communication than just a a text message or a cell phone. So kind of going off that a little bit you know
0: if it's something that you're looking at are there maybe some best practices um, for like some type of a mobile work plan like that that businesses should be considering, um, or even just first steps, if that's something that, that they're considering doing.
1: Yeah. I, I think the first steps are, um, you know, like, like we just kind of talked about a little bit, looking at the communication piece and making sure there's a strong channel for team members to communicate, uh, no matter where they are physically. And the reason that's so important is that it, it's a different level of, uh, almost a different level of urgency or, um, you know, the communication methodology is, is different when you're using uh, one of these digital tools than it is if you were to pick up the phone and call somebody. So by having that, that communication channel established to support a mobile workforce, you're really taking a big step towards the foundation of being able to build upon a mobile workforce. You know, you're, you're kind of setting yourself up for success to do so. Um, but then other best practices are, you know, going back to security, just making sure that um, you're, you're doing all of this in a secure fashion. And I think that's a really big consideration to make, uh, you know, here we are in, in May of 2021, because what happened for, for many organizations is in March of 2020, decisions were made and the, um, you know, lead factor in many decisions was, was function. You know, our business needs to have employees be able to function tomorrow from a different building. And so this, when decisions were made with, with function in mind, some security got left behind. And now that things are changing and there's kind of a, a light at the end of the tunnel, I think it's a it's a great practice for some organizations to go back and take a look at some of these decisions that may have been made over the past 12 or 14 months and make sure that they were made or that they're adjusted to be secure.
0: That's a great perspective. Uh, everything did go and a lot of decisions were made so quickly just to kind of adapt, but pulling back and making sure you cross those T's and dotted the I's, this is the time to do it. Yep. bingo.
1: Yep.
0: Well, Ben, I know we're coming up on the end of our time here together again today, Um, I know last time you were on, I hit you with our, I heart triple trivia. I heart Yoko triple trivia. Um, and I wasn't going to let you off the hook again this time. I just have them rapid fire so that you don't know what's coming, but they're going to be different than last time. So are you up for the triple trivia again? I'll give it my, my best effort. I'll do everything I can. Okay. First one is going to be the most difficult, but, um, from there it should get pretty much a little bit easier. So, Our triple trivia is based off of our motto, I heart Yoko, or I love Yoko, with each of the questions on kind of focusing on one of those uh, portions of the motto for the York County Economic Alliance. First question for the I and I heart Yoko, you can finish this sentence and tell us why you picked that, that answer. So the person or fictional person that I would like to most
1: have dinner with is... Um, I'm going to go with with Chase Utley. He's not a fictional person, but I would I would love to have dinner with Chase Utley and pick his brain on uh, being one of the best baseball players in the city or in the state. I'm going to
0: assume that you're a Philly fan then. I am indeed. Yes. <laughs> That's a good answer. Good answer. Chase Utley. He was an amazing player. So, no. Yep. All right. Number two. And if you got the first one, the rest of these should be pretty easy. So for the heart in. Uh, I heart Yoko. We're going to go back to that snack food capital of the U.S. here. So, which of these do you like better? An Oats potato chip or a Snyder's pretzel?
1: I'm going to have to go with an Utz potato chip. <laughs> Definitely a potato chip. Something about the saltiness and the, the crunch. It's just, it wins. <laughs>
0: I can't blame you on that one. Although I should have probably made it a little bit more of an even playing field. So I don't know if chips and pretzels are, are kind of balanced or not. Like we probably should have went with potato chips or Martin's potato chips, but I get it. We're going to get a lot of roll with the potato chip. So third question for the Yoko part in the motto uh, looking at a Yoko tradition. So we've got a couple that are coming up in warm weather here. So which are you more likely to visit street rod weekend or Harley Davidson bike night?
1: Uh, I was never a bike guy. So I'm going to go with street rod weekend. Street Something rods. about, um, bikes and, and safety never clicked with me. So I'm going to have to go with the street rods, although I'm not sure how safe. Street
0: <laughs> they are fun to watch both of them. Um, although I do share, share your concern with the, the bikes. Um, I had a lot of trouble just riding a bicycle myself. So putting an engine on one
1: yeah.
0: that just says broken neck <laughs> waiting to happen for me. So. Great answers, nonetheless. Um, And Ben, uh, I know we've hit our mark here. I just want to thank you once again for joining the York County Economic Alliance with our podcast series and taking some time to talk about the mobile workforce and what we can look for and expect uh, going forward in this quote-unquote new normal of the workplace. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much, Ben. You take care. Thanks.